Hi, my name is John Kim, and I'm a therapist who went through his own rebirth. I share my feelings and revelations. I believe in casual or clinical and with you instead of at you. I come unrehearsed on purpose because self-help doesn't have to be so complicated. So I started running live Zoom groups during COVID as a way to help people get out of their heads and process some stuff, but also to build a community where we could champion each other's stories. It's called the TAT Lab, and that has grown into a thriving community now where we have life coaches and therapists all running multiple classes a day, everything from codependency to relationships. I run a giant check-in once a week. I'm also doing a group couples class, everything from trauma to chakras, and, and it's constantly changing. And one of the reasons why it's called the lab is because uh, we are playing in our sandbox. And something that I'm super passionate about is helping people in a casual way. So it's more casual over clinical. Um, we have a great time and we have an amazing community. And also it's extremely affordable. So check us out. There's no better time to grow than right now. Go to my Instagram at The Angry Therapist and click on my bio link. And we will see you in group. This happened like 20 years ago. It's when laptops first came out. I was a young, struggling screenwriter, and I wanted a laptop so bad, but they're really expensive. And at the time, I was helping my mom run a... Uh, so our family business was a restaurant bar in Hollywood. And so my mom came, my mom came to America uh, with like, you know... I think my parents came to America with $500. It's funny when people tell you exactly how much money they came to America with, you know, uh, (laughs) if, if my parents really did come to America with $500, I would, I wouldn't think they were smart. I I would, I would think, you know what, you should have saved up a little bit more before coming to America. (laughs) Of course, they say that amount because they're trying to get their kids to realize um, how little they had and how grateful we should be, of course. But um, my, so my mom worked, uh, you know, at this little tiny hamburger shack, the size of a VW for 10 years, um, drove there, uh, it took an hour to drive there, took an hour to drive back. And it was in Burbank, California. We at the time lived in Roland Heights and Roland Heights in the eighties was, it was all Caucasian. It was all white. We're the only Korean family for like blocks for miles, right? And now it's the complete opposite where I think Rolling Heights is is pretty much all like all Asian, I think. Anyway, um then she saved then we saved up enough money for and she bought like a um a pioneer chicken, a franchise, one in Long Beach. Um and then that turned into a Popeye's chicken. So growing up in high school, I um Ate a lot of fried chicken. I loved that shit. It was just a, a phone call away to mom to get the red beans and rice and biscuits. And um, anyway, I hated working there because um, who who would actually like as a teenager would like to work at a fast food restaurant? It doesn't matter who owns it. Um, but I was forced to work there over the weekends and stuff. I mean, it's not like I was frying chicken, but, you know, I was making sure no one was stealing. And I was I was actually in the office most of the time, but, uh, and I was glad it was in Long Beach. So it wasn't like somewhere close uh, where my friends would, would could drop in. Um, but 
So we did that. My mom did that for 10 years. Again, driving another hour to Long Beach, driving an hour back every day until um, she saved up enough money where we bought this little um, Italian restaurant in, uh, in the armpit of Hollywood, right in the kind of post-production area, catered to a lot of studios. It was actually a beautiful uh, little Italian restaurant. And it's just interesting that a Korean family <laughs> owning an Italian restaurant. Um, but this thing uh, is what I was helping my mom run at the time, right? So now I was already in my, uh, I think, mid to late 20s. And um, it was it was a good business. It was really busy at lunch, and then at night it was dead. And um, so I wanted this laptop really bad. Um, and I was running an errand to like Spartan Final or something, buying like plastic cups or to to go containers. And there was this guy outside selling laptops. And so of course I pulled over, and he was selling them out of his trunk, like literally selling them out of his trunk. I had a stack of them. And he told me that they were stolen, right? Um, so he would he was trying to sell them really fast. And so he was like, I'll give you one for 300 bucks. And at that time, you know, th- that was a steal. I think laptops were like two grand or something like that, you know. Um, and so I rushed back to the restaurant, begged my mom for 300 bucks. And uh, business wasn't that good then, and it was tough, and she... You know, she, the thing about my mom is she's always given me things that I wanted. I think, um, I think to her, that's what being America, being American meant. Um, so ever since I was a kid, she always, you know, bought me the designer jeans. Um, no questions asked, you know, um, it wasn't that I was super spoiled, but she, she always bought me things like, um, toys and, and, uh, you know, the cool skateboard, um, Nothing like nothing, nothing huge, right? I mean, I, I wasn't given like fancy cars or anything, but you know, when it came when it came to like clothes and toys and shit, I always got got the cool shit. And so, um, she scrounged up three hundred bucks, and she's like, you know, if this is something you need for writing or whatever, here it is. And I could tell that it, it's not something that she had, and, and you know, it wasn't. Uh, I mean, not that she would, not that she needed to like sell her body for it or anything. <laughs> <laughs> that's a little weird. Okay. Um, but she she gave me the money. And so I went back to the guy and uh, bought the laptop, brought it back. And I, I wanted to – I was going to open it for my mom, but I couldn't wait. So I sat in the car, opened the box, and it was a box of bricks. Straight up a box of um, – they were like – they weren't the – the the typical bricks they were they were kind of um, a different size brick where you could layer them and it would feel um, you know they're, they're like kind of almost like lighter bricks I guess uh, so it wouldn't be too heavy but it was basically a box of bricks and I remember uh, you know when you play shit back it, it, almost like the the movie The Sixth Sense you play shit back and you realize oh it all made sense and I remember when he was selling me uh, this computer or a box of bricks he kept mentioning how he was um, in a gang like it was very forced and I was thinking like why is this guy like is he trying to come off all hard like why is he telling me he's in a gang and then you know once I realized it was a box of bricks I think he said that because he wanted me to be afraid of him and not come after him so um Here's my point. I was so angry. Well, first of all, I was embarrassed. There was shame. And I was so mad because um, 
the business wasn't doing well. My mom gave me 300. She thought it was going toward my writing, right? Um, and it's not something that I had to, like, it actually took her a while to, to give it to me. Right? It, and usually, it, I guess this, my point in saying that she bought me a lot of cool shit growing up was that she usually doesn't hesitate, but this time she hesitated a lot, which meant that she didn't have it. And so I did all this, got the money, and, and here, a box of bricks, and I felt so angry. I got back into my car, and I kind of raced back there. Obviously, he was gone. And I remember just like driving through the streets and I don't know what I was going to do, you know, and I, I was just a, an idiot. I, I don't think I was capable of anything, but um, I had so much rage that, I, I, you know, I wanted to fight him or do something, right? Um, never found him. And I remember that is one of the moments where um, I was so angry that if I had a weapon or a gun or something and I did find him, um, I would have probably done something I would have regretted or something stupid, right? And I was thinking about this uh, today, playing it back, and I'm, I, mean, I was wondering how I would have responded today if that happened to me, right? Like, What would have been the feelings? And I was really trying to be honest with myself, and I think that if that happened today, if I spent $300 on what I thought was a um, – say a brand new iPhone and I open it and it's a, a box of something else. Of course that probably wouldn't happen today because I would actually open it before I bought it. But, um, you know, I, I gotta be honest, of course I would be mad and all of that, but after that anger subsided, I would be, um, I would actually be empathetic. I would start to think about him his fear in doing this, um, you know, maybe he has children, um, standing outside all day, hustling. Like, I, I can't imagine selling something and being afraid you're going to get caught or people coming after you, right? Uh, the nervousness of that. And I could tell when he was selling it to me, he was super nervous. Um, I don't know. I, I think today I would be empathetic to the situation, you know, and what would get him um, – to actually do that, like what would be his, you know, maybe he, he probably didn't, he probably didn't feel like um, he had options to do anything else. Who knows, right? Maybe he didn't feel like he could get a job. I don't know. Maybe it's not that he was lazy, but he um, didn't believe he could do anything else. I don't know. But I think my point in saying that is sometimes um, we don't believe that we've changed much, um, but we actually have. And because uh, the stuff that we have reacted to before, whether it's stuff like this or, or how you were in a relationship, isn't presented to you now, doesn't mean that you haven't changed, you know? And I, it, listen, I'm still the same person. I can still get angry. Um, I still can't fight. <laughs> uh, but I think that I can deploy a lot more empathy. I, and, and, and I think that empathy is what it requires sometimes to let things go, right? So... At that time, I held on to that shit for weeks. I mean, I held on to it. I was angry. And, of course, that ripples into all your relationships. And I had to be very secretive. And I forgot what I told my mom, but I explained to her. Um, I never told her that I bought a box of bricks. Um, I think I told her I, I bought it, but then I lost it or something happened. I, I forgot what the lie was, but I lied to her. Um, super angry about it. And, and now today, I think I would be able to let it go much easier. And I think this is one of the biggest tools in life is to not carry shit that you don't need to carry anymore because they become stones in your shoe and um, 
you have to carry that, right? Uh, and so being empathetic can be a way to start letting things go. Um, the ability to forgive, the ability to see the world through someone else's eyes, walk in someone else's shoes, right? Um, to the ability to see that we are all human and doing the best we can. And I think if you practice that uh, every day and you start to forgive and let go, um, like right now when I think about that guy, you know, I have no idea what he looks like. I don't remember. But if I saw him on the street, I, I would give him a high five and be like, that's some, that was some cool shit you did, meaning that uh, that was clever and <laughs> good for you for executing it. I wouldn't um, see him and want to uh, strangle him. Right or take anything from him. I've and I'm saying that because I've completely forgiven. I haven't forgotten. Right, there's a difference between forgiving and and for for forgiving and forgetting. Right, you will probably always remember because a lot of stuff happens to us and those imprints are deep. But um, our heart allows us to forgive. Right, our memories don't allow us to um, forget, but our heart allows us to forgive. And if you can forgive, and I think it's a practice. And you get better and better at it. It's, I think, one of the greatest tools in life. Anyway, thank you for <laughs> listening to one of my um, many stories. Um, if anything, I hope that was a reminder for you. I don't know what's happening in your life these days. Or maybe something will happen today where you will get very angry. And I hope that I can pop into your ear and encourage you to... Um, let there be a little bit of a speed, a speed bump uh, be, between what happened and your reaction and um, to take a deep breath and remind yourself um, that sometimes uh, growth is in forgiving and uh, being empathetic. And that's going to cause you to expand and uh, definitely create a lot less anxiety in your life. Okay, thanks for listening. Be well. Listen, if you are great at helping other people and you have a passion for that, and you want to find personal freedom and level up the skills you already have, it's time to become a life coach. When I became a coach, there was nothing like this out there. And so I developed this coaching training program alongside Noel Cordo, Journey Coaching. That's J-R-N-I. And it is amazing. It's 100% live. It's everything that I wish I had when I was starting out. Meaningful, evidence-based education, real people, real community, lifetime support and business development, ICF certified. Just go to theangrytherapist.com, my website, and click on Become a Coach and explore the Journey Coaching Intensive. See you in class.